I, I remember thinking at the time I was having trouble putting. I go, what am I going to think about? I, this putting is making me so mad. He goes, well, don't think about golf when you're out on the course. Think about what a beautiful day it is that God gave you this opportunity. Think about your kids. You think about, you know, positive stuff. I thought, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Hey, welcome to another episode of Relate, Refresh, and Restore, a podcast committed to bringing stories of hope and insight to those on the front lines of Christian ministry. Our desire is for all of us to see, sense, and experience God's voice through their stories. And through these stories, we may see His hand and hear His voice in our lives. The Relate, Refresh, and Restore podcast is brought to you by Romans 12 Ministries, where we are wildly committed to transforming the church, one pastor, missionary, and ministry leader at a time. Okay, here's my opening question. Are you ready? 3.2 million people in the United States did this for the first time in 2021. What was it? Well, yep, you are right. It's golf. 3.2 million people tried golf for the first time in 2021. After years of declining interest in this game, this sport is on the rebound after COVID. You know, 34.2 million people participated in a golfing activity in the country in 2022, which is really about 10% of our population. It's a $26.2 billion industry in the United States, and it's growing. You know, I've always wondered what life is like for those that are professional athletes or celebrities when the camera is off. You know, what is it like to be Christians in a world of celebrity, fame, travel, hotels, city after city, week after week? And today we get a glimpse as Don Pooley, professional golfer, shares what it's like to be on the PGA Tour as a Christian in a world of competition and trying to beat all others on a weekly basis. He shares about balancing family and travel, the highs and lows of being a professional golfer, you know, and his views of the tour today. Don Pooley was born in Phoenix, Arizona, grew up in Riverside, California, attended the University of Arizona, and became a professional golfer in 1973. He won two majors on the PGA Tour and was the U.S. Open champion on the Seniors Tour in 2002. Don currently lives in Tucson, has been married to Margaret for 47 years. They have two grown children and four grandchildren. I'm David Town, the host of the Relate, Refresh, and Restore podcast. Well, Don Pooley, it is an honor to have you in the studio today. Thanks, David. Glad I, to be here. I feel like I should like ask you for your autograph or something. I don't think we've ever had anybody this famous on the <laughs> podcast. So thank you for coming in. And all I can offer is water. That's all I need. All right. Well, we are thankful. And we're looking at this idea of being an ambassador for Christ in all that we do. And I've often said this, that in 2 Corinthians, it talks about that we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. And we can do that in the grocery line. We can do that in our neighborhood. And we can do that on the golf course. And so that is kind of your background. And I want to just talk a little bit about your story. So let's start with you um, and golf. How did that all start? Uh, My dad started me playing golf when I was a young boy. Mm. I say I... I started when I was six, but I didn't really get serious till I was seven. So, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I've been playing my whole life, and uh, it's been a great sport. I've I've loved I've loved golf from the beginning. 
Mm. And it was my dad who encouraged me to get started. Mm. And was he able to see some of your successes? He did. Uh, he died young, unfortunately, mm. um, 35 years ago, probably. Oh. So he saw, he saw me out on tour for about 10 years, and uh, he saw a win. Mm. And uh, he died the year I won the Varden Trophy, but that was kind of the, the uh, impetus for me to, to do that. I'd come close a couple years earlier, and the year he died, I was right up there in the scoring average. Uh, the Varden Trophy is a low scoring average for the year on tour. And so I focused really hard every single shot, every single round, so that I would shoot the lowest I could shoot and maybe win the Varden. And I ended up going to the last day just ahead of uh, Lanny Watkins and uh, beat him down the stretch to, to win the Varden. Wow, and your dad was still alive at that no, time? No, no, he died in June. Okay. Finished in October. What a tribute but, to yeah. him. Mm, wow. And you mentioned earlier that, you know, growing up, uh, you, you guys would go to church, but you got to be 11 and 12, and you wanted to, to golf on the weekends. Right. And your parents did what? Ruined a perfectly good Sunday for me. I didn't want to go to church. I wanted to play sports, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, they said, okay. They they uh, made that available for me when I was younger, and they said you could always go back later. And so I, I stopped going to church. But when I got into high school, I got involved in a group called Young Life and uh, went, went on a uh, one-weekend camp up at Forest Home in San Bernardino Mountains. And they talked about God in a way I hadn't heard before, they, you know, that you could have a personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And you know, I'd been to church, but I hadn't heard that part. And they were talking about how, you know, we, this bus could go down the mountain and could go off the, and you could die. And, you know, you're not going to go to heaven if you don't know Christ. And I thought, well, I, I better do this. Mm. <laughs> <And> that, <laughs> that was kind of what happened. That was my due diligence on that. I was 15 years old, and uh, the speaker, I mean, I felt like he was talking right to me. And I, uh, I accepted Christ into my life when I was 15 up there at Forest Home. Mm. So many wonderful transformational stories come out of Forest Home, mm. and we are able to send uh, a number of pastors there for kind of a uh, refreshment time, and uh, they come back changed. And so then, then college comes, and you come to University of Arizona uh, on a golf scholarship. No, I was a walk-on. A walk-on, okay. walk-on. I went, went to see the coach, and I said, I'd like to try out for the team. And I said, can I, is there any way I can try out? And he said, yep, I've got a qualifying on September or something. The first year I was there at Randolph North, uh, a one-day qualifying. I go, well, how many spots are there? And he goes, I don't know. It depends on what the scores are. So I show up, and <laughs> there's 108 players there. And I go, what is going on? And it's windy and cold, and it was a tough day, and I shot a 77, and I was discouraged. The guys I played with shot 100. 9,500, and they, they, weren't, they couldn't play at all back then. And so I come in, and I'm disgusted. I turn in my 77. He goes, nice round. And I go, what? <laughs> he goes, yeah, it's the second best score of the day. <laughs> wow. He goes, uh, yeah, I, I, I piggybacked on the, what the U of A does. They give, they give one free round to every student here at the U of A. So this was the day that was a free round for all the students who played golf. And so he, he had, there were maybe four or five serious golfers out there of that 108, and uh, that's how I got on the team. 
<laughs> the rest is history. <laughs> oh, that is that is fun. And and your faith in in college, what was that like? Did you did it feel like it was a growing time? And I know you met a girl that you liked a lot. Yeah, I met a girl. She eventually became my wife, but I wasn't involved in anything spiritually when I first came here. Didn't didn't go to church. Uh, I actually caddied in the Tucson Open my freshman year and got hooked up with a guy named Babe Hiskey, who was one of the five Christians on tour at the time. And I went to the tour Bible study as an 18-year-old kid, and he said, uh, what are you involved in uh, spiritually? And I go, well, nothing really. He goes, uh, well, every school has an FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, or a Campus Crusade for Christ. It's now Crew. Um, and he may have mentioned Navigators or others. And I go, okay, I'll check it out. So I, I did. I started checking it out, and I got involved with Campus Crusade at, back then. And then there was a Bible study, uh, off-campus Bible study, uh, one night a week at the called the Vineyard, and it ended up turning into a church eventually. But it was just a Bible study for about 200 kids, college kids. And so all of my uh, early Christian upbringing was parachurch stuff and uh, – it's funny, I got on tour, and one of the guys that was the chaplain for our tour was from Search Ministries, another parachurch organization. So I've been involved with parachurch my whole career, mm. and it's only since I've retired from golf that I've gotten involved in church. Mm. I mean, I, I went to church when I was home, but I'm home 15 weeks a year, so I'm not really involved. I'm just just yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. So on the tour... I'm I'm curious because we talked a little bit before is, is is as a Christian and you're on the tour there are not many Christians on the PGA tour. There weren't when I first got out there in 1976. There were a handful. Probably when I left 25 years later, there were 40 Christians on tour that I knew about. Some had beliefs and they didn't want to share it with anybody and. You know, I, I don't I don't know where they were spiritually, but I found out this later when we all got out on the senior tour, the champions tour now, and there were like a hundred players that would come because everybody liked this uh, missionary that was out there doing the the Bible study every every week, and uh, I found out oh he's a Christian and he has been a Christian his whole time. He just didn't get involved in the Bible study out there. Mm, yeah. Mm. So there were a lot of Christians actually on tour, and there's a whole bunch now. Scotty Scheffler, the best player on tour right now, is a believer, believer. and there's a, there's a lot of strong believers out there now. Mm. How did that impact? How did faith impact you as a player on the tour and also as, as a husband, as a father? Well, it was, it's, it was the main thing in my life, my faith, uh, you know, talk about priorities, God God first, family, and then golf. And I tried to keep those priorities, obviously. Nobody does that perfectly, mm. but uh, um, that was my goal. And, uh, you know, being an ambassador for God out there, be it with other players or with the fans, or that was always in the back of my mind, you know, to, to uh, hopefully be a good witness, not a bad one. Mm. Um, Again, you're never perfect on that, but uh, and then there were, you know, it was a platform, and there every city we go to, there were organizations that would you come speak, you know, because we want to want to have a famous person come and tell us about Christ, and so I did a lot of those. I mean, I didn't speaking is not my forte, 
and I don't really like doing it, but I had a I had a platform and I I wanted to I wanted God to use me as as he could and so mm. I did that a lot while I was out there. Mm. As far as traveling, I know traveling. I was I was about 50% of the time when I was in sales right out of college, I was traveling. And traveling is just a pain. And you guys, week after week, you're going to a new city. How did travel, traveling impact you and your family? Traveling was just part of the deal for me. I, it wasn't a big deal. It was harder for my wife and my two kids who traveled a bunch with me. Back then, you know, there was no TSA. You didn't traveling was better back then. Uh, it's it's no fun right now. Commercial travel is no fun. You don't get any food on the planes. You got to go through all the hoops that you, and uh, you're limited on bags. Our, we usually took eight bags, you know, when we traveled and there were no extra charges for that. And and for me, it was just, I got, I got to go. I just, the tournaments, you know, across the country, I got to fly there. I just, the only way I could do it is to fly. So mm. I did that all the time and I didn't even think about it. Mm. Looking back, it was hard, but I, you know, it was, that was just was, what you did. You I got was used single, to it. I was single minded on that. I, I needed to play in this tournament. I wanted to play in this tournament. And the only way I could do it is to fly and get there and practice. And so I did what I had to do. And I didn't, didn't spend a lot mm. of time worrying about all that stuff. But there's just so many temptations when you're traveling. I mean, when, especially if you're traveling by yourself. Because, I mean, the golf tournament is one thing, but then you're in the hotel room and you're alone and there's, there's just temptations when you're traveling. Yeah. yeah. And, and how did you That's, kind of create those safeguards for yourself? Well, uh, typical for most, most men, you don't, you don't do things with a woman by yourself. I mean, you're, you're with a group if you're with ladies. You're not by yourself. But when I was out on tour, I, I was focused on practice. I, I had to eat three meals a day. I was, so food wasn't, a, I wasn't a foodie then like I am today, but I, I had to eat. So, I mean, you'd, you'd go have the meals and you'd go practice and you'd go play your golf and then you'd practice some more. You'd go out to dinner and the Christian friends that I had out there, we'd sometimes go out to dinner together and if uh, they were out there without their families. So... It was a it was a full day, and then you went to bed because you were tired, and you had to get up and do the same thing the next day. So, mm-hmm. you had to be disciplined to stay with that routine. So, what was the the normal week like? You would travel out on a Tuesday. Tuesday usually Monday, travel on a Monday. Uh, Tuesday's a practice round. Uh, Wednesday's a pro am day. Thursday and Friday, the first two days of the tournament, there's a cut. Top seventy in ties make the cut. If you make the cut, you play Saturday and Sunday, and then you travel again on Monday. If you miss the cut, you travel, you're leaving Saturday either to go to the next tournament early or go home and come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And early on, your wife traveled with you all the time? Yep, mm-hmm. she did. And uh, she was a teacher. Uh, she's taught for two years, and so she had a lesson plan, and she knew exactly what she was going to do each week. And she goes, so what are we doing? I go, well, I'm Monday qualifying. If I don't qualify, then we're going to another place. If I qualify, then we play in the tournament. And if I miss the cut, then we go on Saturday. If I make the cut, then we stay till Sunday. And you know, she goes, so we don't know from day to day where we're going to be. I go, no, not really. <laughs> it was harder for her than it was for me. Sure. Wow. And then kids came along. Kids came along, and they were great. I mean, it was a 
for me, it was a distraction that I needed, you know, because it was all golf all day. You know, I, I remember making the comment, I give golf 100% of my attention 50% of the time, mm. you know, mm. and the other 50%, I do other things with a family, wife, kids, other stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so th- that was kind of my routine. And uh, it was great having the kids out there. They didn't care what I shot. They loved me. If I shot 80 or 60, you know, that didn't matter. That's, that's yeah. neat. Yeah. So we ask, what would you do different? Because a lot of people look back on their career. So I would have done this different. I would have given more time to the family. I would have, you know, studied the Bible more or whatever. As you look back on your journey and your story, what would you have done different? You know, I, I think I did a lot of things well as far as in the Word daily kind of stuff. Uh, was involved in the Bible studying with other Christians. Was faithful to my wife and my kids. And uh, we, we uh, made a pact to not be away more than a week at a time. So if I went out for a three-week trip, they'd come out for one or two of those weeks. And that all worked well. Our family turned out great. And uh, um, my golf, I learned I needed to take some time off every now and then. I couldn't play every week. There's 40 weeks in a row. And I could play three to five weeks in a row before I needed a break mm-hmm. for a week. And I'd go home and I wouldn't touch a club for six days and then come out and play. And uh, physically, I hadn't lost anything in six days, seven days. And mentally, I was refreshed and ready to go again. So that was learning process. When you're first out there, you think, I got to play every week. If I'm exempt, I got to play. I got to play. And uh, you end up working yourself into a slump real quick mm-hmm. because mentally, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. And mentally, we talked a little bit about that too. I mean, there's such a mental aspect of sports, right? Especially at that level. How did you handle the mental part of that? Well, it's funny. One of the prayers I'd give, uh, say, every morning, Lord, give me peace, patience, confidence, and concentration. Those those four things. I pray for those four every day, and uh, and uh, you know, the Lord helped me with that a lot. I. If, if I have one regret, it's not seeing the sports psychologist, uh, Bob Rotella. And I was 50 years old when I went to go see him. And I thought about seeing him in my mid-30s when I was at the height of my career. And I was, had a chance to win a lot of tournaments. And, um, you know, I thought, I just need to get over the hump mentally a little bit on that. And I didn't do it until I got on the senior tour. And I, so I went and spent a couple of days with him thinking it might be a bunch of hocus pocus, you know, sports psychology kind of stuff. And he was absolutely uh, right on the money biblically for me. He was talking about how you need to focus on what's positive. Romans 4.10, you know, focus on, on, the, on the good stuff. And, you know, that was like, well, yeah, of course, that's what you're supposed to do. But, you know, I, I, I remember thinking at the time I was having trouble putting. I go, what am I going to think about? I, I, this putting is making me so mad. He goes, well, don't think about golf when you're out on the course. Think about what a beautiful day it is that God gave you this opportunity. Think about your kids. You think about, you know, positive stuff. I thought, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Well, then you don't get yourself in a mental downward spiral. Mm-hmm. And six weeks later, I won the U.S. Senior Open. Wow. Wow. 
there is such a, I mean, I love that that verse where, you know, it says whatever is true and whatever is honorable, right. whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence or anything worthy of praise, let your mind right. dwell on, on these things. things. That's right. And I think that is such biblical wisdom, you know, for all of us, especially as we're ambassadors for him, that really we just need to plant seeds. Right. He does the watering. Right. He, it's all about him. And so we just need to show up. Right. And so that that speaks to me. Thank you for coming. I just so appreciate you taking the sure. time out and, and doing this. What what excites you right now when it comes to what's happening in the golf world and what discourages you? Well, I don't like where the tour is going with the, the live tour, the Saudi funds and you know, there's so much money out on tour now. It's so different than when I was out there. I had a really nice career for 26 years, and but the guys who win a tournament in one week make more than I made in 26 years. <laughs> so, I mean, the money's so different hmm. now. But the tour was trying to compete with the live tour, and so they d- dumped a whole bunch of money into tournaments, and now they figured out, wait, this is not sustainable. We, don't, we can't do this. Hmm. So they've got to figure out a way to make more money. And so now they're partnering with, with the live the Saudi fund. And, you know, that's disappointing to me. I mean, it doesn't affect me one way or the other necessarily. It's just, I thought the tour was above that. You know, they, they had higher, uh, moral standard than that. And now it's, it's all about the money. And I disappointed mm-hmm. in that. Mm-hmm. Well, we see that in the PAC 12, <laughs> as right. we see exactly. people leaving because of money and, and so on. So I just have random thoughts right now, random questions, and I just well, I okay. want to end this way. The most beautiful golf course you ever played? Pebble Beach. Mm. My favorite course. Wow. Yeah, I've heard good things about that. Yep. I was thinking of Hawaii, maybe. I love Hawaii, but I I just do not play golf when I'm over there. I go to the beach <laughs> instead. But... For a beautiful golf course and Pebble Beach, you can't, you can't beat it. Mm-hmm. Your biggest, you, you, the strongest memory you have, the best memory you have? Well, there'd be two of them. The Memorial Tournament, well, your first win is always pretty special. I played with Lee Trevino in the last round, and uh, that was at the BC Open. My dad was alive, and uh, so that was, that, was, that was special and fun, and... Uh, <laughs> Lee, Lee, uh, toward the end, I made a long putt on like 14 or something to take a three-shot lead. And from that point on, he knew he wasn't going to win. And I was going for my first win, and he was kind of encouraging me all the way in. I thought, well, that was that's pretty nice. Yeah, that wow. was a nice deal. But the Memorial Tournament, Jack's Tournament in Columbus, Georgia, uh, Ohio, I won that one. And uh, that was, a, at the time, kind of like the fifth major before the Players' Championship became such a big deal. So that, that was a big win. And then on the Senior Tour, winning the U.S. Senior Open, that was a huge deal. And uh, beating Tom Watson down the stretch, that was probably my most memorable week of my life in golf. Wow. Yeah. Was your family with you? My wife was. Yeah, okay. Yeah. The kids were at home taking all the phone calls. <laughs> mm, that's neat. Biggest disappointment? Hmm. Well, there were a lot of tournaments I didn't win that I felt like I could have. That kind of disappointment? Yeah. Um, You know, the thing about golf and tennis, and we've talked about this, is that, you know, we just got done with Wimbledon. 
there's 120 people in the draw and there's only one winner. Right. <clears throat> so there's 127 people that nobody's going to probably remember. And and then mentally, you think you're a loser because you you haven't won the tournament. And so there, that's such a mind game. So a disappointment, yeah, I would say just the first thing that comes to your mind. Well, in, in golf, like tennis, you know, 99 times out of 100, you're going to lose. Somebody's going to beat you. And so you get used to not winning every, you know. So the wins are super special because they're so rare. So when you're right up there and have a chance and you look back and go, I don't know if I could have just done that, and you know, that might have changed. But there, there aren't a lot of regrets in that mm. sense. I mean, I, I tried the best I could. I just wasn't good enough, that mm. kind of a thing. Mm. But uh, mm. it's tough out there. There are a lot of good players. A lot of good players, <laughs> yep. The, the most beautiful city you ever traveled to? Probably be a foreign city. Paris or uh, Florence. It wasn't with golf. It was just vacation. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And my last one is uh, a hero of the faith for you. Oh, Billy Graham is always a hero for me. He was uh, what, what, a, what an unbelievable example of, of a Christ-like life. Um, he, he spoke at our Bible study back in the 70s a couple of times, so I got to talk to him one-on-one -on -one a few times, and just an incredibly humble, spiritual giant that it was fun to be around him. I've read most of his books and seen him on TV doing the crusades, and it's just he, he was just an impressive guy to me. His message was so clear, concise. God, God's hand was on him. Right. I, I lately have been watching old YouTube videos of his past crusades. Yeah, yeah. And back in 1976, when the Kingdom was brand new in Seattle, that was one of the first events. They mm -hmm. brought Billy Graham in, and I went just because I wanted to see the Kingdom, what it was like, you know, because that was a big deal. And I remember being mesmerized. I went a couple times. I never, I was too stubborn to go down on the floor. Yeah. But I still remember what an impact that made on me. And uh, I just can't wait to, to talk to him and have him. <laughs> It'll be really something. Yeah. Thank you for what you're doing, you know, in our community. Mm -hmm. Thank you for being a light and being an ambassador and just being who you are. <laughs> I, I've really enjoyed getting to know you. Well, thanks, Dave. All right. Fun Dave. being with you. All right. Thanks. Well, beautiful people, thank you so much for listening to another podcast here at Romans 12. We're so grateful that you're listening, that you're passing on the podcast to those that you think might be interested, and that you're praying for us. We are coming alongside pastors, ministry leaders, missionaries, and their families day after day, week after week, because you know what? It is a tough, tough job. And if you could participate with us, to continue with these podcasts, continue with supporting us financially, we sure would appreciate that. You can do that online at Romans12Ministries.org, and there's a donate button there, or give us a call at 520-982-5877, and we'd love to walk with you, talk with you, pray with you, but we are so grateful for our listeners. Have a great week. 
Thank you for joining us today at another episode of Relate, Refresh, and Restore, a podcast sponsored by Romans 12 Ministries. For more information on Romans 12 Ministries, visit us at romans12ministries.org or give us a call at 520-982-5877. May we all continue to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer.